episode of the SDSU podcast is sponsored by Mars Energy Cream, the first ever topical energy delivery product. Think energy drink, but it's a lotion. It contains a proprietary blend of natural ingredients, including caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins to provide an energizing boost. And unlike traditional energy drinks and gels, Mars Energy Cream is sugar-free, contains no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. If you want to try it out, go to MarsEnergyDrinkCream.com and use the code ANDRE, spelled A-N-D-R-E, at checkout to receive 15% off a purchase of a 50-milliliter tube. to the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison. Welcome back listeners to the SDSU podcast. I'm your host Andre Hagverdian. We'll be joined shortly by my co-host Paul Garrison. This is episode 107. Uh, It's a double episode for Thanksgiving we just put out episode 106, which was our uh, recap of the loss to San Jose State this past weekend, and a little preview of the game against Fresno State on Saturday night, the final game of the season, the final game of Brady Hoke's head coaching tenure at San Diego State. This one is still football-related, but it's really more looking towards uh, the future. Uh, we got a chance to interview Anthony McMillan again, who is a class of 2024 uh, verbal commit to San Diego State. He's a local San Diego kid from modern-day Catholic running back. He committed uh, earlier in the summer to San Diego State, uh, and obviously with the announcement of Brady Hoke's retirement, you know, a lot of things up in the air with uh, the 11 class of 24 verbal commits that San Diego State currently has and how many of those guys are either sticking, regardless of the coaching change, waiting to see what the coaching changes before they make their decision or decommitting and moving elsewhere. Obviously, we had a chance to talk to Anthony and ask him what he's going planning on doing. Our original conversation with Anthony was episode 56 back in January, which was a more in-depth interview uh, going through his background and his high school days and things like that. This one is a little bit shorter interview because we wanted to main, mainly touch on you know, what's happened since uh, his commitment and his high school, his final high school season. So I do recommend if you go back and listen to the earlier interview to get a better idea about who Anthony is, if you did not have a chance to listen to that, or you need a refresher. Our second interview in this episode is Anthony's high school coach at Monterey Catholic, John Joyner, who has been the coach there for the last 14 years, head coach for the last 14 years, and who also re- decided to retire. And uh, we asked him about his reasoning about that. And plus, he gives us a perspective on not just Anthony McMillan, but another class of 24 recruit, Isaiah Buxton, who decommitted from Arizona. And so that he is still looking for his uh, his collegiate school in San Diego State as one of the uh, three or four teams in the mix. Plus, he, you know, as a local high school head football coach for a top program, he has some perspective on San Diego State recruiting local San Diego kids. So we asked him a little bit about that. And, you know, now that he's retired or retiring, uh, you know, he can give us perspective, maybe a little bit more unfiltered 
uh, because he's not going to be in the mix with that. So uh, both interviews were great. We hope you guys enjoy that. Afterwards, uh, Paul and I kind of discussed uh, those interviews. Plus, we gave our thoughts on San Diego State's head coaching search, the rumors and reports that are out there about who they have interviewed, who they might interview. So we uh, tried to give our thoughts and our perspective on what's out there. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I uh, hope you guys enjoy your time with uh, friends and family this weekend. I hope you enjoy uh, a double episode uh, on this holiday. And uh, let's get to the interview with Anthony first, followed by Coach Joyner. I want to welcome back Anthony McMillan to the SDFC podcast. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. How are y'all doing today? Very well, man. Happy doing Thanksgiving. Great. Yeah, Thanksgiving week. The last time we spoke to you on the podcast was episode 56 in January, which is about yeah, 10 months ago. Back then, you were, you know, you hadn't committed yet. You know, you committed to San Diego State verbally later after that episode. Uh, you had, you just had your final senior season of high school yes, uh, that you just finished. You know, obviously, the big news around San Diego and around San Diego State is uh, Coach Hoax announced retirement at the end of the season, you know, as a verbal commit. You know, how did you first learn about it and what were your initial thoughts? Uh, I first learned about it uh, through Twitter. I had saw it on Twitter first that uh, he was going to retire after the season. And then after that, like, I talked to a running back coach, Coach Bill, about it. Me and him talked about everything. And, you know, like, you know, I feel for him. You know, I met Coach Oak before, and he's, like, a really good guy, like, very genuine person. And, you know, seeing him go and I wasn't able to play for him, it's a little sad. But, you know, still got to go up there and do my thing. And I just hope the well for him. You know, a lot of people – when upon hearing the news about a coaching change, whether it's a retirement, a firing or whatever, you know, they think about, OK, how does that affect recruiting and how does that affect people that are already verbally committed? Does his announcement impact your commitment to San Diego State in any way? Um, no, sir, because uh, going into like my recruitment, I was always told don't commit to coaching, commit to the school. So, you know, I've built I've uh, built great relationships with the coaches, but like I've also fell in love with the school and everything. So, you know, him leaving, you know, it's sad, but, you know, I'm committed to San Diego State for the school and their program. Now, aside from you, there are, there are 10 other verbal commitments to the class of 24. I mean, has there been any kind of communication with all of you, given all of the changes and stuff taking place? Not much. You know, I don't I don't talk to them a lot. I don't really know everyone. I The one person I have talked to, well, the two people I've talked to really was, um, I forgot his last name, but he goes to Carl Bad named Will. The receiver. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I talked right. to him. And then also the uh uh I kind of feel bad, I forgot his name. I had met him at the game. It was one of the old linemen. He was like tall. And uh <laughs> yeah, me and him, we just chopped up, we chopped up a lot at the game and we were just talking about it. But I haven't really been in contact with them a lot, not much. But you know, hopefully I feel like they feel the same and won't decommit and you know, we can all see each other up there at state. Absolutely. So you were was telling it us- a Kai Holek? I think so. That sound that does sound familiar. Yes, sir. Got it. Uh, you were telling me uh, that that you know you have these plans to enroll early and and be able to kind of get that college career started, man. But what did you have to do to to kind of to make that happen? Not gonna lie, it was kind of a lot. <laughs> at, modern day, <laughs> at modern day, you have to have uh twenty five hours of service hours for your senior year to be able to graduate. So I had to do that, and then I have to take an English class to 
makeup for like half of that semester. I'm gonna be gone. And then I have right. to do also a religion class. So I basically had to complete two classes in like what was it? A month and a half I finished it and then do my service hours as well. But I finished everything, so I'm all set to graduate December twenty second. Congratulations. Thank you. What went behind your decision to, you know, give up your final semester of high school and enroll early to San Diego State? I just feel like it's just getting up there, getting used to the school with the workouts and like the environment and everything. Cause I'd rather do that early in January than have to wait to uh like the summer of June. So I'll already be up there. I already know the program and I'll already be comfortable with everything going on. You your longtime friend and teammate at Modern Day, Isaiah Buxton. You know, he just decommitted from Arizona. Yes, sir. Um, he mentioned in an article, he was interviewed by 247 Sports. You know, Nevada is a school he's looking into. You know, you had Nevada among your finalists. You know, any chance Bucks could sway you to join him in Reno if he chooses that direction or any way you're going to try to sway him towards San Diego State? How's those conversations going? Uh, yeah, I've joked with him all the time. Like the first day I saw it, when he decommitted, I had texted him and I had sent the uh the red and the red and black circle, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, we're homeless, thirty minutes away. <laughs> and then he said, we'll see. <laughs> so you know, I always every day, every time I see him, I just tell him he knows where home is, and you know, wherever he goes, I'm always love him, always support him. But you know, I always try to tell him every day. So hopefully, you know, he just makes the best decision for him and his family. I was catching up on your season, man. Um, how how did your season go? And and you know, not just for you, but also for modern day. Compared to our last two seasons before, it wasn't the best season. You know, we lost to Madison first round playoffs. But as for our season, I felt like you know we just made a lot of mistakes. Like we just couldn't execute a lot of the time. Like against Madison, that's a real good Madison team over there. Very scary Madison team. You know, we had a specific game plan going into the game. We just couldn't execute. So that's just on the offense. Our defense played very, very well, but, you know, you can't win games if you don't score points. But, you know, looking back on it, you know, can't go back to it. So, you know, just got to reminisce about the memories. But, you know, it's time to move on and time to go play ball. Uh, what did you learn about yourself as a player this season? I learned a lot that you have to be able to – how I'll put this in words. Like, better encouragement, if that makes sense. Because, like, again, we started 0-3. And, and, like, last year we had, like, better leaders like Trey Edwards, Dominic Nankill, Jerry McLaren. You know, those were our leaders on the team. But with them being gone, you know, I learned a lot about how you have to, like, step up and fill those roles. So us going 0-3 this past season, having to come in and, like, lead this young team and, like, you know, tell them to keep their heads up. We have a long season ahead of us. So I feel like that's a thing I learned about myself is about encouragement and being a leader. Uh, your head coach at Modern Day, uh, Coach Joyner, announced his uh, retirement. What can you say about him as a coach and his leadership at Modern Day? Uh, that, that's where I learned it from. You know, he's top dog. You know, he was head coach. He was our leader. You know, he always taught us, you know, the best men make the best crusaders. So, you know, us, not even on the football aspect, but just being better men in life. That would just make that would just be way way better than what football is. So you know him leading us, always telling us to keep our heads up. Like you know he has that serious tone. Like when you look at him, you might look like he's always serious, but he always has like a joking manner when he's talking to us. So you know I love Coach Jerner, and you know I'm wishing the best for him and his family. For our high school football fans who are listening, you know who what name or names should they look out for for a modern day next year? You know you're going to be gone, obviously. Uh, who's the next in line? 
Uh, I'll definitely say our quarterback, Cartel Purvis, you know, receivers, Matthew Carr, Isaiah Cook. On the defensive side, uh, Jeremiah Castillo, you know, our middle, that was our middle linebacker last year. Also, Trey Jefferson, um, Jordan Dumeron, and then also one of our strong safeties, Makai. You know, a lot of those, they're sophomores, sophomores and juniors, but they played a uh, key role this past season. So I feel like them working through the offseason, getting a lot better, they're going to turn a lot of heads this year. So for yourself, you're, as you talked about, planning to enroll early at state. You're, so you're only a couple months away from college. You know, what are you doing now so that you're ready and focused uh, for, for that period to come? Uh, lately, I've just been working on lifting, lifting a lot with uh, Coach V. He's been my trainer, my weight training coach for the past five, six years. So, like, just lifting with him a lot, getting stronger. And also, I'm working out with uh, Coach Van, you know, getting better on my footwork and uh, getting my speed up as well. Yeah, I, I uh, think that, you know, you graduating, I don't know, Coach Joyner probably was like, you know what, I can't get better than this. So I'm going to, this is time. It's time. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're one of the stars of high school players, you know, in San Diego, obviously. Um, you obviously know a lot of other ones. Um, what what does SDSU need to do um, for, for more athletes to make the same decision that you did to stay local? Like you said, 30 minutes away, we talked to Isaiah. Um, you know, how does, how does San Diego State need to recruit San Diego to, to make that happen more often, do you think? I just feel like, you know, with San Diego State, you know, there's a lot of underrated San Diego athletes. Like, there's a lot of guys over here that I feel like if State would look into it more, like, we they could go to State and, like, we could change the program with 24, 25, 26. Like, doesn't matter the class. There's just a lot of guys. So I feel like they just need to look more in the – right down the street from them, <laughs> you know, like, like it's good that they're, you know, they're looking all over the place. You know, you got to find guys where you find guys, but I feel like if you can find some guys like straight down the street, that's not too bad either. Do you think that with the new coaching staff that will come to San Diego state, that that should, or will be an em- more of an emphasis than it has in the past? Um, I think so. I feel like, you know, maybe with the new coaching staff that's coming, you know, maybe they will, talk about that more amongst themselves and hopefully they can do that but you know i don't know too much about the new coaching staff coming in so but that's what i hope that will happen it seems like every year every every time a new coaching staff comes in you know uh recruiting san diego is a huge emphasis and obviously they put one of their best guys there coach maddox um as the area recruiter uh what what can you tell us about your relationship and just the person who coach maddox is uh, when I very first met him, you know, he wanted me to play linebacker at State, so <laughs> that was very funny. But, you know, me and him just built a big relationship. You know, he's a very cool guy. You know, he tells me straight up. Like, a lot of the times he told me, what I, like, at the San Diego State tournament for 7-on-7, seven seven, mm-hmm. he told me there were a lot of things, good things he saw, and then he also talked, uh, was telling me a lot of things that he saw that he thinks I can improve on, that if I change these little mechanics, that it'll just completely change my game. So, you know, I built a, I built a very good relationship with Coach Maddox. Yeah, I, you know, the, when we talked to you in January, we were talking to you a lot about running back, and you let it known that it was Coach Maddox who was recruiting you and that they were looking at you at linebacker. At what point did that shift? Because when you committed, you committed as a running back. At what point did that discussions with San Diego State shift into, okay, uh, we want you as a running back? It was kind of like, Two months before I committed, so what would that be? Uh, I don't know the exact date, but I remember being on a phone call with Coach Bill right when he got hired, 
And I had mm-hmm. asked him, I was like, am I uh, offered as running back or linebacker? And he was like, man, you know it's a running back. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I really know 100% that, you know, that I should definitely be looking at them. They were just telling me, like, yeah, we like you on both sides of the ball, but we want you coming here running the ball. So I was like, yes, sir. Well, you know, you talked about earlier when you're talking about your senior, your football high school senior season, it wasn't as good as the last two seasons, right? Back-to-back state championship runs. You know, when you reflect on your high school career, how amazing was that time to have uh, those great runs? Uh, I felt like it was very amazing. You built a because like people say, a lot of people say like high school, you build the most memories. So I feel like I built a lot of great memories, you know, not even with football, but with the people that I was playing with. Like a lot of the seniors from last year and the seniors before that in class of 22, like we built a lot of great memories and we, you know, had like a brothership that you can't take away from us. You uh, you mentioned that you've been training with Coach V. I mean, Mount Miguel, man, they're putting in some work. Um, how, how enjoyable is it to, you know, they're still alive, about to be in the championship game against um, Chula Vista. I mean, how, how how satisfying is it, you know, watching obviously from a distance, these people that you care about who've mentored you, being able to do their thing now, not as just the, uh, a coordinator, right, but now as like the head coach. Yes, sir. I, it just feels great because, you know, Coach B, he just, he can do it all, like, you know. He calls the best plays in the county. Like, he just calls the right plays at the right times always. So it's just like seeing everyone over there, it's just like very heartwarming just see that they're going to play in the CIF. I'm going to be there, actually. So <laughs> so yeah. hopefully they go out there and win by a lot. So um, you're, you're entering a running back room um, at San Diego State with a lot of talent. And, you know, you're moving from being, you know, the star – the 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 big man on campus and now you're gonna be flipping it and you're gonna be the young guy and the freshman coming into the room um i guess just what is your mindset about entering that room and, and being a good team teammate for those guys um just going there and like you know just seeing like with the older guys just seeing little stuff they're doing that i could uh put into my game that showed at a college level because you know them guys been there before they know what they're doing they played on the college level so seeing how they work, seeing how they think, you know, I have to change my mindset to that because, you know, it's a lot more competitive than high school. So I'm just going to have to change my mindset and just see how they're doing it and just going there and working. You know, if they see that I'm putting in a lot of good work, you know, we're going to build great relationships and, you know, hopefully we can see what happens. You, um, I saw um, recently on social media, you're committed to playing in the Makasi Bowl 7. Yes, sir. Uh, can you tell us more about when that game is, where it is, and how people uh, can get more info on it? I, I actually forgot what the date is. Coach B told me. But I think it's the first okay. week of December. First week of December. And I know it'll be at Mesa College. And yeah. then uh, with a lot of info, I'm not sure on, like, everything. But I know it'll be at Mesa College the first week of uh, December. But basically, just Coach, uh, Coach B just getting a lot of guys, you know, from San Diego County, putting together the best team and guys up there, premium for L.A., and we're just going to battle out and see who's the best. <laughs> All right, man. We appreciate you taking the time. We're uh, looking forward to you um, putting on that uh, red and black. Um, obviously, we'll have a chance to see you up close uh, in the in spring camp, you know, yes, with uh, not just – some new players, but a new coaching staff potentially. So uh, we're excited for that. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a great night. You too. Thank you. We want to welcome football coach John Joyner to the SDSU podcast. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Very well. Thank you. We're doing great. Thank you uh, for taking the time. I know you have a busy schedule. 
first question, you know, we got uh, high school football um, championships going on upcoming this weekend. You know, you have some friends and former assistants who have taken uh, Mount Miguel to new heights. Uh, they are in the CIF final against Chula Vista. How fun has it been watching Coach V and that crew uh, do what they've done? Oh, it's been awesome. I mean, but it's, it's not something that is kind of catching us off uh, by surprise. I, um, you know, I worked with Verlaine and I worked with Aaron Jones for a very long time. Um, Ruben Braswell, you know, Don Zermano, Mark Quinlan. I mean, uh, those are my, those guys are brothers to me. They're not, you know, they're not acquaintances or colleagues. Those guys, I love those guys. Uh, and so, Super excited for them and super proud of them, but not shocked at all. You were uh, the coach at Modern Day, head football coach, Anthony McMillan, who we just got a chance to talk to for the second time. He's verbally committed to San Diego State. Uh, as he told us, he's, he's ready to to sign and enroll early in, in uh, next semester. Um, what can you tell us about Anthony as a player and as a teammate? Well, I think I would start with a teammate. Fantastic kid. I, I think that, uh, and I'm really excited about him going to San Diego State. When it comes to recruiting, I kind of, uh, I mean, I'm I'm involved in their recruitment, but I stay out of their final decision. And I remember when he told me, he said, you know, I'm going to commit, you know, on Wednesday. I think it was like a when it was like a Monday, and he's like, I think I'm going to commit Wednesday. And I kind of wanted to ask him, you know, and then he goes, I'm going to go to state. And I was really, I, I thought that was the best choice for him. But phenomenal teammate. Um, really, I think. It took a huge step forward this year, leadership wise, but he's always happy go lucky. He's, he's got a great smile. He is uh, a phenomenal teammate. He's a guy that actually like genuinely cares about other guys. And I know some of that stuff is like cliche football coaching uh, stuff, but you know, Anthony, his freshman year was like the COVID spring season. And so he comes in his sophomore year. And we we're very talented. We had a division one tailback, uh, Nico Mosley's at USD, and he kind of was his backup. And then late in the season, his sophomore year, he burst on the scene and began getting offers and began becoming, you know, a, a, one of the top recruits on the West coast. And he just handled all of that really well. Um, yeah. And he's genuinely that person, like the guy, I'm sure the, the interview with you, that's genuinely how he is all the time. Um, he's rarely in a funky mood. He's rarely not smiling. Uh, very positive kid. And then football wise, I think, uh, you know, his, his play speaks for itself. Super physical kid. You know, really, I wasn't sure for a while what side of the ball he'd end up. I think, I think offense and tailback is is a great decision for him, and that's what he wants. But he does everything. I mean, I think he's one thing for a kid his size. He does a lot of things small backs do, like he catches the ball really well. Um, sometimes when you have a two hundred twenty pound back, two hundred twenty five pound back, they're just bruisers. Anthony does a lot of stuff. He's got breakaway speed. He catches it really well. He understands. You know, he's pass protector. He's willing blocker. Yeah. So I think he's gonna have a great career. Um, staying with that theme of just uh, who Anthony is, um, you know, what does he like to coach? Oh, it's about it's so much fun. Everybody, you know, should get to get a chance to coach a guy like that. We've had, um, I don't know why. I mean, I think it's just being in San Diego, but we've had a uh, uh, in my career at Modern Day Catholic, we've had a ton of uh, military uh, uh -huh. kids, and he is a typical military kid. Yes, sir. No, sir. Very respectful. Comes from an unbelievably supportive family. I mean, his parents have been positive and supportive throughout his entire four years. He's just, he's, you know, when you're a football coach, you have two rosters. You have a roster of kids you worry about and kids you don't worry about. For mm -hmm. four years, Anthony's always been on the don't worry about list. I know what he is in the classroom. I know what teachers think about him. I know what his teammates think about him. 
you know, there's there's very uh, few times where I've ever had to even have a, a serious man-to-man talk with him about anything. It's usually, hey, go talk to Bobby and take care of this for me. And boom, I got you, coach. Don't worry about it. It'll get taken care of. He's that kind of leader. You know, one thing that I've been impressed in the conversations that I've had with him, um, you know, you mentioned Nico before that, but we know about Nico because Anthony's told us about him and about, you know, how he is able, even at a young young age, to know that the person who's in front of him is a learning opportunity for him. And that usually, you know, you, you don't, again, it's some people, sometimes it can be cliche, but I think for a lot of these guys, Um, they don't realize that until a little bit later. And he seems to have gotten this really early. What, what kind of student of the game have you seen from him and him being able to, you know, grab something from here, grab from, you know, coach here, a player here, things like that. I've seen a huge jump in the last two years with the uh, IQ of the game. So you guys also have to understand, you know, Anthony looked like this in the eighth grade, you know, he was, you know, I, I, he, he, so he's always been physically able to just kind of do whatever he wants. And that's dangerous for, for some guys. Um, he reminded me a lot of, of Trey Edwards when I, I saw Trey Edwards in the eighth grade and seventh grade, and he just physically overwhelmed kids. And, and Mac has that same thing when he was a young guy, those guys have a hard time sometimes when they get to the level where everybody's the same size and at the same speed all of a sudden. So Anthony never really had to be a smart player because he could just physically do whatever he wants. The last couple of years, he's really started to become uh, a complete player. And I think that like understanding what pass protection means for a tailback. And when you go to San Diego State, if you don't pass protect, you're not getting the ball. If you can't catch the ball, you're not going to be in on second and long or third down. So, yo, so him understanding that, hey, every tool I add to my tool chest keeps me on the field, I think has been a huge, uh, like a transition in his game. But he's he he loves it. I mean, he really does. And then that's kind of a, a, like I said, I don't want to come on and, and give all the same coaching talk, but like he loves it. I mean, he's a football junkie and that's why him and I get along so well because he, wa- he just wants to talk ball. He wants to be in the weight room. He wants to do things with football. And, and I think that that learning and being able to kind of, split carries and being able to understand like, Hey, I just want to win. That's going to help him because a lot of guys who are the three-star, four-star recruit go to college and they're not used to sitting mm-hmm. and they're not used to being behind guys that are 20 years old that have established mm-hmm. themselves. I think Anthony has a very good perspective on like, Hey, if I do, if I do what I'm supposed to do, if I, if I do what I'm taught and coaching, just keep I'm going to get my time. And when I get my carries, I'll make it happen. You mentioned this a little bit earlier about not knowing what side he would be playing potentially. When we first spoke to him in January, uh, before he committed, verbally committed, he said San Diego State was looking at him as a linebacker because Kurt Maddox was his primary recruiter. And I, I remember asking him, you know, what do you prefer? And he gave the very diplomatic answer, oh, whatever the coaches want. Yeah. But now today. That. <laughs> yeah. But you know, talking to him now, another and he he tells a story about how when Jimmy Beal, the running backs coach, he he asked him, What are you guys looking for me at? And he said running back, and he was really happy. And that might have been the seal of the deal. And so where do you think you know, you mentioned that you think running back or on that side of the ball would be best for him? Why why do you have that feeling? 
Well, and let me preface by saying my opinion means nothing in the next four years, five years, but I just think he's more natural on the offensive side of the ball. I think it comes easier to him. I think he's a heck of a linebacker and I coached linebacker. I coached him for the last two years at linebackers, uh, our linebacker, and, and he's really progressed greatly on that side of the ball. Um, for me, I just, I think he's dynamic with the, with the ball in his hands. And like I said, I don't, you know, when you're six, one, two twenty, he's going to carry two twenty five. He's going to run, you know, four, six. And, um, he's got, you know, 2% body. I mean, the kid is a, he's built for it, but he catches it really well. He does like a lot of little things that big backs mm -hmm. don't get. So, um, I just kind of think he's complete on that side. And, and to be honest, all joking aside up until about spring ball, uh, or about spring, I would say like April, May, he started taking trips. I don't think he knew what side of the ball. And then he visited some schools and mm -hmm. he came back and he said, coach, you know, after spring, he said, coach, I want to play running back. I said, okay, well, let's narrow down the offers you have at running back and he had to cut some big name schools out of there, but he, and that's the other thing too, that I think is going to help him be successful is very self-confident. He, he believes in himself, but I just think Ryan Lindley and Jimmy Beal and those guys on the offense side of the ball did a fantastic job building a relationship with them. And yeah, Kurt Maddox was the first one to offer um, and Demetrius Sumler and the, and the defensive staff. That's because the, the defensive staff visits modern day all right. the time you know demetrius and and kurt they're at our practices all the time and so they just had kind of established that relationship first but i thought the offensive staff did a fantastic job just getting to know him and, and saying hey this is who we are take it and and I, I think he fell in love really quickly you mentioned also earlier that that you were when you heard he was going to state that you thought it was a, the best fit for him why, why do you think that um, I just think that I, I think those guys are genuine. I, I, I trust Ryan Lindley. I trust Beal. I think that those guys are men of their word. I was worried. And this is not a shot at anybody. This isn't a, a, a dig, but I thought there were some schools. And, and this is part of recruiting that right. say, hey, you want to be a tailback? We'll, we'll bring you in as a tailback. And then uh, uh, five months into his career, they go, hey, never mind. We're, we're going to move you to linebacker or something like that. I didn't get that feeling with San Diego State. I felt like they were genuinely recruiting him on that side of the ball. I'm a huge, you know, I'm a San Diego guy. I want my guys to go to San Diego state. Not every San Diego kid is, should go to San Diego state, but Anthony's a guy who has, he's not from here. His family, you know, again, he's a Navy kid. He came from Alabama and his family support is amazing here. He's a kid who will thrive in this town. He's not a kid who's going to, you know, if he stays home, he'll get in trouble. He, he's going to do well. He's going to do great. And now selfishly, I get to just drive like five minutes from my house and go watch him at snapdragon so a part of me was just rooting for him because i wanted him to stay at home and i want to send you know i always wanted to send more guys to san diego state uh for modern day what do you think he needs to do you know one thing to to grow as a player to reach his potential at, at san diego state um i for me it's just consistent uh running the ball again and and it's maybe not a knock on him now. It's just at that level, there are no bad carries. Like every carry, square up your shoulders, be 225 pounds, finish runs, and do that kind of stuff. Um, I think in high school, guys were, you know, there's a lot of time. I used to tell them, like, hey, man, they don't want to tackle you, especially in the third quarter. You'd see DB stay blocked on purpose sometimes. And in Division One football, in the Mountain West Conference, Pac-12, or, or wherever he's playing, they're, that's not going to happen. So you have to be 
if you get 20 touches, if you get 15 touches, all 15 have to be tens. You have to max out every time and, and do those things. But that's probably any any kid who's as talented as he is jumping level. Uh, mm-hmm. And then just the speed of the game, really. I mean, that's for every kid who leaves high school to go to college. Yeah, to, to your point, um, you know, talked with the uh, up in San Jose this past couple of days ago. And, you know, one of their big backs, Jalen Armstead, had a huge game and it was, you know, a breakout thing for him. He's an older guy. And I was asking Coach Hoke about that. And he said, exactly. He said, I pulled him to the side and I said, you've got to start running downhill. <laughs> like, yeah. And so he was still at that at that advanced age, like he was still needing to have that message and, and getting that to your point. So he said the exact kind of idea. Um, but another name, you know, that, that our listeners um, will know about is Isaiah Buxton. Um, you know, he obviously had a recent decommit from Arizona. You know, he mentioned SDGSU as a possibility, waiting to see what coach they can come into. But, um, you know, it would be horrible to have you on here and not be able to talk about um, Bucks a little bit. I mean, what what makes him so special as a kid and as a player? Well, I'll talk about Buxton all day. Okay, that kid, he's he's a special one. He's probably one of probably top three most serious uh, football players I've coached in my 15, 16 years at Modern Day Catholic. I mean, every day is is really important to him. Um, again, another military uh, kid, both his mom and dad are, are uh, active duty in the Navy. And um, there's just a seriousness to him. There's a desire to be great that is like, there's nothing goofy about Isaiah. He doesn't smile if he doesn't think something's funny. You know, there's just a work ethic that comes and when you're also gifted and you're six foot DB with long arms and can run, but you're, but you're just ultra competitive. Like I rarely have seen anyone be that competitive and have a desire to be great. It not translate. Then you add on all the God given gifts he he has. And then you add on what he's done in the weight room and what he's built himself into be. Um, we used to joke around as a staff and you could ask uh, coach Braswell. I know you're, you're friends with him. We used to say, you know, Jerry McClure, Trey Edwards, Dominic Nankiel, all these, you know, super Shiraz Bunkum. And I used to say, if any of these guys are making it to the NFL, my money's on Isaiah Buxton just because he reminds me a lot of Chris Snyder, a kid we had a year ago. There's just something inside of them that when they put on a helmet, they just are, they just are different. There's a switch inside of them. And man, when he turns it on, he's a star. I mean, Isaiah Buxton is a legitimate superstar. Yeah, I thought I thought Boom was under recruited, but that's that's that was. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you yeah. you you made um you made news yourself uh, announcing um your retirement. Uh, would you mind just going through that and and why this was the right time to do that for you? Yeah. So um yeah, just recently. I mean, it was something that I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, it's not anything uh, new. Um, uh, we just my my wife and I just welcomed uh, uh, Jake Victor, our, our our third child. Um, yeah. I have a daughter who's in the eighth grade. She'll be going to modern day Catholic high school next year. She's a, uh, club travel volleyball player, uh, an excellent volleyball mm-hmm. player. And she's been a coach's daughter her whole life, staying at school till seven o'clock at night and doing that kind of stuff. And we have two young, uh, sons. So, uh, our son, Johnny is, uh, 18 months old and now Jake is eight days old. So, um, <laughs> wow. that, that's one, that's one factor. Um, and the other factor is that, uh, I became the director of advancement at Modern Day Catholic, uh, and that is a, a big step up in my career outside of football. And I still have some things that I want to do uh, in my career outside of the game of football. And I, I started coaching football when I was 19 years old and uh, mm. 22 years and uh, 14 years as a head coach. Um, you know, 
there's not much more. I, I, you know, I, I feel very comfortable with, with my career. I feel very blessed and I got to do it at two different schools. I only went to two schools my entire career and um, 16 years of modern day Catholic has been like being the head football coach in modern day has been the absolute joy of my life besides my wife and my children. And so it was, it was a difficult decision, but I'm still at the school. I'll be at every game. I'll be their biggest fan. Uh, but the program, I love the program so much. I think it deserves somebody that has all the time and effort to be passionate about it and to be obsessed about it like I've been in, in my career. But I can no longer uh, be obsessed with it. I can no longer give the time and effort that it takes. So it's, you know, it's uh, me trying to be uh, unselfish a little bit and say, hey, the program deserves uh, something more. And that's something that I've preached to our boys for 14 years, that the program is bigger than anyone. The program is bigger than C.J. Verdell. The program is bigger than Anthony McMillan. The program is bigger than John Joyner. Modern day Catholic football is going to be rolling and I'm going to be there uh, week one next year cheering them on. When you reflect back on your time at modern day, you said 14 years. What are you most proud of? Uh, the boys, always the boys. It's always about them. I mean, I, uh, the relationships you build, I think that like, you know, I was 26 when I became the head coach there and I definitely wasn't ready and and, and all that kind of stuff. But I wasn't going to say no to it. <laughs> um, but when you're young and, and you want to win and you want to win championships and rings and banners and that stuff, and, and that, trust me, that's still inside of me. And I, and I do that. But after that happens, um, you realize that like more importantly than all of that, it's mm-hmm. watching guys succeed and the, the relationships you build. And I have guys sending me pictures of their kids and I have guys inviting me to their weddings and I have guys that, you know, call me. And um, that was one of the really, you know, when the announcement was made, one of the things that kind of touched me a little bit was how many guys reached out, mm-hmm. how many former players and, and and that kind of stuff. But it's always about the boys. It's, it's, it's always the boys. You're not the only coach in San Diego that made a retirement announcement. Uh, Brady Hoke uh, doing the same with the Aztecs. What can you tell us about Brady, your interaction with, with him? Um, you know, obviously as he's being part of the recruiting process uh, to either your kids or just in general. So um, when Brady Hoke first, got, when he, his first tenure, when he came in here, he got hired my first year at modern day mm-hmm. when I was the first uh, uh, head coach. And we were one in nine. We were the worst team in San Diego. I mean, we were, we didn't have a prospect. And I remember I, I met him. We went one in nine. And then in June, I was at San Diego state for a passing tournament, just watching. And he walked up and he's like, Hey, coach Joyner, how you doing? And the fact that he knew, and I was like, he had no reason to need to know me. No one knew who I was and and I didn't have any players for him and stuff like that. And I just think they were so genuine with his first group, Tony White and Rocky Long and that whole uh, first group of coaches that he brought in. Um, yeah. I, I thought were fantastic. And I, and I was super excited to see Brady come back. I love Kyle Hoke. I love to meet. I, I like their staff right now is, is I, you know, I'm, I'm sad to see they're struggling, but I have full faith in those guys. And, um, I love Brady personally, and and I and I love him as a football coach. He makes me laugh. <laughs> um, so you know, I think you know you have a very unique perspective, obviously as a head coach, on a topic that everybody around San Diego State, all the fans want to know about. Um, and it's you know, has San Diego State, in your estimation, done enough to be able to really recruit San Diego? you know, I guess as well as it could. That's a, that's such a, <laughs> that's a tough question, but you're retiring. So you can, you can yeah, tell. Yeah, no, right, I can say whatever I want. 
Um, <laughs> I, I would say yes and no, and I would say that yeah. I'm I might be different than a, than most San Diego uh, coaches, and, and I'll explain. But I want to see every kid from San Diego who San Diego State wants, and they want to stay. I want to see them go. I don't believe San Diego State is the right choice for every kid from San Diego. And and I think that it's just natural that we're San Diego coaches and we have pride. And so we say, why are you signing a quarterback from Corona? We got quarterbacks right here. Why are you signing a linebacker from Hawaii? We have linebackers right here. You got to trust those guys that they they know the evaluation. They're looking at what they what they're looking for. I mean, I've been frustrated with them before, but I've been frustrated with UNLV, UCLA, USC. I've been frustrated with everybody who I think should recruit my guy who isn't or whatever it is. I can tell you that this staff right now, I think, has done a phenomenal job in San Diego. And and I think uh, my my biggest issues, I think, in the past, especially the most recent past, was on the offensive side of the ball. I think Dimitri Sumler is a, a, a rising superstar. Um, I always had a great relationship with Tony White. I like Kyle Hoke a lot and Kurt Maddox. Those guys are workers. Those guys were always around, always recruiting our guys. Um, I think right when Ryan got here, Ryan Lindley, I saw a big difference on the offensive side of the ball, just being around, just recruiting guys, whether they're offering them or not, um, just being there. And I think that that shows by them signing a tailback for modern day. I mean, I, I last year we had, you know, five receivers go on to play college football. Um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't really see their offensive staff at very much of our practices or anything like that, but their defense staff was there every week, you know? And so yeah. again, it's, it's, um, it's a tough question to ask because I don't, if I say, Hey, those guys aren't doing a good job. That's a disservice to a handful of those coaches who I think are great recruiters and, and have really worked hard and built great relationships with, with, uh, you know, South Bay schools and modern day Catholic. Um, so very related question. I appreciate, you know, you being honest with that. I think, I think you got it out. I think, I think, I think you said it. Well. I know I could say what I want, right? I'm retiring. I could just, that's right. Out. I mean, what, 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 <laughs> flamethrower? Nobody. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but you know, the, the, there is a new staff that's coming in and, you know, nobody knows what the shape it's going to be. You know, all those guys that you mentioned, um, I think Andre was at the press conference today mentioned that, you know, one of the hardest parts for coach Hoke is those guys are in limbo. Um, other yeah. schools are recruiting them. Because they're going to hear, hey, these guys have great relationships in San Diego. Can can they bring kids over to where you know this other stuff? That's the game. That's that's what happens. Okay. And obviously, you just you just uh, provided a phenomenal resume boost for all of those cats. <laughs> um, you know what what does the the new hire, the new staff, um, like what do they need to do to be able to to be elite at recruiting San Diego? I think be first. I think my, I think that they're, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I'll, I'll use an example. We had a cornerback who had, um, an offer from air force in Idaho and his dream, you know, he was like, coach, if I could go to San Diego state, his third offer was from Oregon and his ninth offer was from San Diego state. It's kind of too late then, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, Oregon didn't care that he only had Idaho and Air Force. They believed in their eyes. They they watched the tape. They met him. They said this guy is this level of a player. And Oklahoma offered him. And then San Diego, you know, my my thing is like sometimes, hey, trust trust your evaluations and be first, especially on local guys. And then with the transfer portal, you might not get them now, but if in two years 
that guy all of a sudden is really unhappy at UCLA. Well, they, they have a relationship with you. So when they get in the portal, they're, they might, you might be their first caller. They might already kind of rely back on that relationship they built. But if you never really got into the fight of that, well, then there's no real relationship there. And so it's, it's, you have to kind of re-recruit them or, or start a recruitment all over again now that the guy's in the portal. So that, that would, I would say be my only thing. Um, but again, I mean, new stadium, there's, there's excitement. I'm sure the new head coach, whoever he is, is going to bring in an excitement. I think just kind of jump on guys early, man. If you see a guy like there's some, there's some, I think the current sophomore class in San Diego across San Diego is super special. Mm-hmm. Man, don't wait, jump on them now, you know, jump on them all over the place. I think, I think the the current sophomore class right now in San Diego mirrors last year's graduating class in San Diego that had, you know, a record number of division one players. I, I really believe that. So hopefully they get their uh, fair share of those guys. I mean, you see what like Radcliffe is doing. You see what Lucky Sutton yeah. is doing. I mean, we can give a long list of guys who have gone there. And, you know, we sent Nico Saragusa up there. He was a, you know, USA Today All-American. And so yeah. they're saying Diego guys that, that, that can really make a difference up there. And, and I love, you know, I go to the game. So I'd love to see more of the guys that I know. One name you mentioned uh, from a previous staff is Tony White. There's a lot of uh, smoke out there that he's being considered for the head coaching opportunity at San Diego State. Um, really? Yep. Yeah. And um, blog. what you mentioned him, but like, I think one of the strengths that people talk about him is his recruiting. Um, you know, he was like recruiter of the year several times when he was here under Rocky. What makes him such a great recruiter uh, from your perspective, being a, a high school coach where he can't yeah. call in to recruit you? For me personally, yeah, for me personally, I always just want a guy to be really honest with me. There's some guys that like right now that are some guys in, the, in, in you know, that are recruiting all over the country or whatever that, that I've built relationships with over 10 years that are just really honest guys. The guys that I like, I, when they tell me something, I believe them. Jimmy Doherty at University of Arizona is a guy that like, if he tells me something, I believe him. Tim Plow at Cal, who's a mm-hmm. local San Diego guy. Like when Tim tells me something, I genuinely know he's going to either follow through on that or he says, hey, John, we don't see it like that. We just don't think he's right for us. Tim, no problem. You know, and Tony was like that. Um, and like I said, Tony was part of that first staff when we were terrible. And he still was so great to us and came by and built a relationship. And then the first time we had a Division One player was Nico Saragusa. And the, I watched their recruitment of him. And then I watched when he went up there it was Mike Schmidt. And, uh, you know, who's was a local guy. who was the offensive line coach at the time. And Rocky and all those guys. I just thought the way they treated Nico, the way they molded him, the way they developed him as a player and as a person, I just have a ton of respect for those guys. And, and you know, and then these guys leave modern day to go on to college. You know, they're like my little brothers. And, and, and so to see them get treated right, it always makes you feel good. But Tony's time in, uh, at San Diego State and then at Syracuse, too, he's still recruited here. And he recruited uh, uh, Mac and Buxton at Nebraska. You know, he came by in the spring. I just – I think Tony's an honest guy. I didn't know he was being mentioned for the job. Um, that's kind of cool. But um, I just think he's just a – I think he's just – I mean, he's a great ball coach. That's one thing. But I just – I always, like, thought he was a super genuine guy. Okay. It was a great interview, man. It was uh, a pleasure to be able to do this. Congrats on uh, the new position, the new baby, um, yeah. being able to, to have the perspective on, um, you know, on your profession, what it is that you want. 
Um, congrats on um, the part that you played and having such a great kid in Anthony McMillan. Super impressive, impressive young guy. Um, all of your brothers and friends who are doing great things in the coaching ranks, Mount Miguel, et cetera, man. There's a lot to celebrate um, with you and, and all your stuff. And really appreciate it. I mean, only eight days in and getting a little Zoom, man. I know it's a chaotic. <laughs> really, really appreciate it. I hope you didn't. My my 18 month old was banging on the door. I hope the audio didn't pick that up. But I appreciate <laughs> no. you guys, man. Uh, yeah, this is great. This is awesome. And, uh, you know, go Aztecs, man. That's awesome. Thanks, coach. Have a good night. Take care, boys. Episode of the SDSU podcast is sponsored by Mars Energy Cream, the first ever topical energy delivery product. Think energy drink, but it's a lotion. It contains a proprietary blend of natural ingredients, including caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins, to provide an energizing boost. And unlike traditional energy drinks and gels, Mars Energy Cream is sugar-free, contains no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. If you want to try it out, go to MarsEnergyDrinkCream.com and use the code Andre, spelled A-N-D-R-E, at checkout to receive 15% off a purchase of a 50-milliliter tube. All right, Paul, we got to talk to Anthony McMillan again for the first time in about 10 months. Right. He's legally committed to San Diego State. We were curious how the head coaching retirement announcement would impact his choice. Um, and we also got to talk to his high school coach, John Joyner, who also made a retirement decision. Uh, first with Anthony, any any anything that stood out to you from uh, our conversation with him? Well, a whole bunch stood out for me from our conversation with him. You know, it's unfortunate that the person who coined this phrase is such a politically polarizing figure because it's a profound idea. Um, and it's the idea that it takes a village, right, um, to, to raise a kid. Uh, Hillary Clinton, obviously the person who said it. The, the truth of that, I think, was very evident with Anthony. Um, I have a friend who... Um, that's how that's my connection to Anthony, as we've talked about a coach of his who's known him since forever. And, you know, um, as Coach Joyner did, talked about how great his parents are. You know, you start going through the the his influences um, and you see, you know, talking to Coach Joyner. I mean, that's a good dude, you know, that, yeah. and, and, you know, you, you see TJ McKay, name that Aztec fans will know or connected with them. And um, you, you see the 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 great kid that anthony clearly is uh, we've now talked to him over a year's period of time multiple conversations you know thoughtful polite insightful not there i mean it, like he, he's confident in his game but there is not a hint of arrogance that comes across from anthony which um you know for athletes that's like a even can be a positive sometimes right like um i'm sure he's had coaches in his life who've just said like you realize that you're a ridiculous athletic specimen like you should just go and dominate you know because you can um and trying to install some of that arrogance into him but instill some of it but um that to me was was the biggest takeaway is is seeing now more of the supporting community and the importance of coaches and what they can mean to young people's lives i thought was pretty evident you know taking the two together what about you we obviously wanted to know about his commitment decision and the impact. And I think the best thing he said was the advice I got was don't commit to a coach, commit to a school and a program. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's doing. He committed to San Diego state, not because of 
uh, Jimmy Beal, Kurt Maddox, Brady Hoke. Those things helped, obviously, as he talked about, you know, all of them. But he committed to San Diego State because it's the best school for him. And um, that's not going to change with a head coaching change. That, that doesn't mean that that applies for all the 10 other guys that committed to San Diego State. Um, at least for Anthony, you know, he made his decision that was best for him. And that's not necessarily changing. He still plans to enroll early, be there for spring camp, uh, get a head start on maybe some of the other freshmen running back or offensive players that are coming in for the class of 2024 that won't be there until the summer. Um, so I think definitely that answer was the, the most important one that I was looking for in addition to the others. And I think what Coach Joyner said about him always has a smile on his face. I mean, that's we've talked to him now twice on a podcast. You've talked to him. You've interviewed him for articles and quotes and that. Like, he always does have a smile on his face. He's happy, energetic. That stuff is infectious because if people, the people that are around you can feel that and that you can influence them in that way. Um, and for a kid, high school senior, uh, he's got a good perspective in, in that regard. Yeah, and I think as a football player, I think one of the interesting things about he does not have an unbelievable huddle tape. Um, number one, you can tell that that, um, you know, uh, I'm going to say this the right way, the, the production level in which some of these guys produce their huddle tapes, um, you know, you could tell that it's just here that here's the plays. This is what happened, you know, and there wasn't a lot of the, the you know, other parts of it that try to make it into make it entertaining. Um, but he doesn't have like Donald Humphrey, I would argue had like one of the most exciting ones and you watch him, and you just, you look at the different huddle tapes and you go and you say, okay, this guy's going to be this, this guy's going to be that because they have those big runs and they have those big plays. And that was there with Anthony for sure. Um, you know, but his defensive plays, I would argue are even more spectacular sometimes than his offensive plays. Um, yeah. But then, you know, I thought it was good that coach Joyner talked about, you know, like th this kid's a legit 220. He's going to get up to 225. He's got 2% body fat. He's going to run a 4.6. And you start to see that, like, that's the kind of, like, package that just plays at every level. And you could understand why, you know, maybe he he's not going to have um, some of the, you know, it, it's going to be effective but not spectacular. That's the way that that is. And obviously – as he gains athleticism and gains age, he already has quick feet. He already has the ability to make guys miss. Coach Joyner talked about his ability to receive. Um, but um, I, I think that th that it could be his high-end NFL potential, I think, can get masked by the fact that his huddle tape is not, you know, something that's going to wind up on SportsCenter. But I thought it was really good to hear uh, from somebody who has sent many people hire recruits and all that kind of stuff to just describe no this dude's a dude i mean this, this guy's a specimen and you do watch his huddle tape and there's things that you like about what he does um unlike uh somebody that he's about to go join in the in the room um at san diego state uh he he runs small he runs compact he gets his shoulders in front of him um lucky sutton obviously was way more spectacular in the way that he would run and he would do things but um you know had a hard time getting onto the field because he couldn't get his shoulders in front of him and get downhill um and you're starting to see that in his game and then all of a sudden he's going to have that breakout game and all of those kinds of things so 
Um, I like the way that Anthony runs the ball low. I like that 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 he can get underneath contact because that just makes him that much more effective. And it's going to be his challenge at the next level, given how much how athletic everybody else is. Um, but I think San Jose is really lucky that they approached it that way. That this community that he has around him, um, you know, it's not for everybody, but. Like, why would you want to leave that? I mean, why would you want to, you know, you know, Coach Joyner said, listen, I don't, I don't do their end decision. That's on them. But I really like that I get to go see Anthony here um, just a few minutes up at Snapdragon because I'm at all the games. It, we all make decisions in our lives. And I think that you can get uneven where you make decisions solely based off of like other people. And I think you can get uneven where you make it solely based off of yourself. Um, but when you find the right balance and it's just, I mean, what a cherry on top that you can, all the people that I described at the beginning, you can help them to have a better Saturday every single time you're playing because you're playing for the school that they get to go see you in person. at. Um, so I, I thought that, that was neat for coach Joyner to be honest about that reality, but also to appreciate the fact that they need to make the best decision for themselves and finding that right balance. As poor as the running game for San Diego State has been the last two years, the one guy that has flashed the best with the best yards per carry average and the one that the fans have wanted to see was Jalen Armstead. And we saw the culmination of that with 134 yards last week. Mm -hmm. And he's listed at 220. I think Coach Hoke mentioned he was like closer to 240 at some point last year. He's probably down hopefully closer to 220 now. But, you know, that's in the same weight class as, as Anthony. And I think Jalen Armstead is, is a, um, a model that Anthony can, and can look to at his size to say, yeah, he, I can do the things that Jalen Armstead does um, with my size. That's not going to be an issue. Um, so, yeah, I do like that. I mean, I think with some of the, the smaller, shiftier, faster backs that San Diego State has tried to use over the last couple of years, the Jalen Armstead, Lucky Sutton, Anthony McMillan combination over the next, you know, two, three years might be what is most effective. And as, as we talk about all the time, not knowing what the new offensive coordinator, who the offensive coordinator is going to be and what they're going to look for. It's hard to say, but um, you know, if you would say Ryan Lindley's offense, will continue uh, at San Diego state, those three guys, could be pre- preeminent in in that rushing the, the ground game uh, over the next couple of years. Great call, and and you know, I it, again, it's hard to know exactly what is going to be there, but the next offense is going to be and all that stuff. But you can wager that numbers and winning the numbers game is going to be really important because that's what modern football is. And yeah. there's two kinds of, I guess, there's two kinds of thoughts to that is if you can spread the team out and now you have the numbers game in the box with the running game, um, you know, if you can get a shifty guy who can make one guy miss in the hole, well, that now becomes a really big play. But the other side of it is if you get a big guy who can hit that hole when you have it there and he can get you six, seven, eight yards, like consistently, five, six, you know, that sometimes is even better than the guy who, you know, is going to get hit in the hole. It's going to go down immediately, but then it's going to get you a 15 yard later on. And, and so I think that's another aspect of 
um, where these bigger backs could figure into the new offense is, you know, if it find out, you know, the bubble screens, all that sense of stuff, get, get the place where you feel like you got numbers. And now that you have numbers, you got a guy who's going to fall forward, who's going to always get you and get you into, you know, second and seven, who's going to take something that's at second and six and make it third and two, you know, that kind of stuff, because that's what modern football is. It's that number stuff. And then, of course, if you get one special enough that has the feet to be able to do both. Um, you know, then, then obviously you see, you know, like Derrick Henry and guys like that and what they've meant at that next level when the numbers game sometimes can be with them and all those sorts of things. So, um, and then you start building more of those power stuff and things of that nature. So I think San Diego State's got a really good thing. Um, turning to coach. Yeah. One, one thing I wanted to add is this whole thing, this underrated aspect for running backs is falling forward when you're being tackled but you're still able to get an extra yard or two every time you're, you're being tackled, you're falling forward versus rated. I don't get it, but yeah. Um, and I've running backs over the years that have been so good at that. When the, getting an extra yard or two helps down in distances, right? And mm-hmm. suddenly you're not at second and 10, you're at second and eight. And then maybe you're at third and one instead of third and three, things like that makes such a big difference with the play caller and what you can do and uh on those you know third and one versus a third and three so like i think that stuff is really underrated from a running back and it doesn't necessarily have to be a bigger guy that can do that some smaller guys are really good at that too so it's an underrated um feature for running backs that doesn't get talked about enough agreed my my favorite running back of all time is uh emmett smith small guy but that's what he did he he that's just that was that was his at his side. Um, that was just his strength. His and again, it just matters if you go like you said. If you go third and four, you have to pass. If you fall forward twice for and now you're at third and two, that's where the big plays come from. That's where the one on ones come from. That's where you know guys. I mean, Jalen Armstead had a big 21 yard run um, on a fourth down because San Jose State wanted to stop him and they 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 did a run blitz and that created the gap that he had and. Um, so I agree. I think falling forward is huge. Um, and it's the same principle that San Diego State used to have before where you wanted to be, you know, ahead of the chains, but, um, it's just done in a different way. Um, and, and those elements can, can, can be important. And I think, um, ultimately should be, uh, but turning to coach Joyner, um, you know, I, I, again, same kind of thing. I, I had talked to some of his friends, some of his assistants. And so, and they've always spoken glowingly of him. Um, and to be able to just do that for the first time, I thought was really good. Uh, I appreciated the way, you know, Anthony spoke about him. Um, and, uh, you know, you just, I'm, I'm really, it's interesting to me to, to see somebody who is uh, driven, competitive, but at the same time is able to say, you know, I got goals outside of football and like, that's going to be my priority. I, I find that pretty like an interesting concept. Yeah, I think hearing from him as a local high school mm-hmm. football coach talk about just the connections he has with the San Diego State coaching staff. You know, there's nobody on the current roster from his high school, right? And Anthony's going to be the first guy in a while. And I don't know. He mentioned Nico Siragusa, who's about a decade ago. Um, yeah. And- so I don't know how many modern day Catholic guys have been 
on San Diego State between Nico and Anthony next year. There's probably been a couple, um, but I can, you know, I know there aren't any currently, um, but he still has that relationship. And he talks about with Sumler and uh, who comes to their practices and Maddox and those guys. And, And I thought it was interesting how he was talking about, hey, before Ryan Lindley, I didn't see any of the offensive coaches at my practices. Yeah, I saw the defensive guys, but not the offensive guys. And that's changed with Ryan Lindley. Um, now, it, there hasn't been enough time to make that change, be, obviously, because Ryan Lindley just got there a year ago. Obviously, Anthony McMillan is one guy. Um, but it's 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 interesting to hear that perspective because we're recruiting San Diego for San Diego State is such a hot topic and an, an important topic. Um and it's it's refreshing to hear that perspective, uh, mostly positive, uh, from Coach Joyner. Um, you know, I don't know if all the other high school coaches in, around San Diego would would feel the same or say the same uh, about the San Diego State's recruiting of their kids, but at least getting uh, a perspective from one of the best coaches, one of the best teams up until this year, I guess, uh, was 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 nice to hear. The struggles on offense, you know, maybe maybe those guys are spending more time in the in the film room than than you know what the defensive guys are able to do. So maybe they have a little bit more time. Um, but you know, I, I know from being in that circle that there were guys who ended up committing to UCLA um, from that area who, in their recruitment, would like intentionally go to San Diego State just to get an offer, and it never came. And, you know, as Coach Joyner talked about, you know, he had a guy who goes to Oregon. He told him, like, my dream is to go to SDSU, but that offer, you know, wasn't there. Um, and so it's really interesting because the fun part of what we did is, um, you know, we we have so much going on, Andre and I, that, that, that our coverage of San Diego State is such a hodgepodge in terms of our time um, that we had the conversation with um, Coach Joyner with Anthony, and then we are doing this takeaway at a different time. And in the in-between, Coach Joyner said, if we asked him, well, what does San Diego State need to do? And they said, you need to be first. You need to be the, the first person to recognize a kid, trust your eyes, and get the offer out. Um, and, I mean, we had not been off of our conversation with him for yeah. half an hour. It had, been, it had not been a half an hour. Um, and um, one of his sophomores got his first offer from modern day, who also happens to be um, one of the recruiting coordinators um, at San Diego State, his son, Larry Parker's son, and he got his first recruit from San Diego State. And he knew exactly what Coach had just got done saying. And, you know, um, obviously the new staff and how all that stuff shakes down. But if you got a guy who's on staff and you got a kid who is a stud guy who's worthy of being an offer as a sophomore, like, you would be foolish not to bring this guy back and and be able to say like you know uh, all those kinds of things that go with with being able to coach your son and even you know however that those kinds of things will work but that aside i do think that that's what it is i mean so many so often um other schools come into san diego and they're guys who offer them first and and then you'll see them pick up a san diego state offer later and some of that is the way in which they choose to operate in terms of, you know, not just handing out um, offers like crazy, but they're not actually committable and all of that kind of stuff. But maybe just that, maybe that needs to change. I mean, maybe, maybe they need to, 
you know, again, I don't know how that works because the flip side of that is Coach Joyner talked about the honesty in which, you know, Brady Hoke and all of his people have always been and how that's not always the case at all these different places. And um, some of that stuff goes hand in hand because if you're giving out non-committable offers all the time, then that's kind of a little bit shady and dishonest. Um, yeah. So how, how to navigate that, I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, to hear a coach who bleeds red and black and he's at the top, he's the leader of the top program in the South Bay, say, like, we've had kids who, like, they, I mean, come on, the, the, right? One of the, They see it and they wanted to go to state, but state just was not there for them. And they end up going to P5 schools. It's like, that's exactly what San Diego State has to be able to do to be successful is to find a reason why somebody who's a little bit at next level would actually choose San Diego State. Yeah, I mean, let's talk Isaiah Buxton. You know, mm-hmm. he, he commits from Arizona. And as we asked Anthony and he mentioned, you know, Anthony uh, retweeted it and, you know, put the red and black and uh, I don't know if it said something about like you in or something like that. Yeah. Uh, he's obviously good friends with Isaiah. Isaiah has, you know, some offers from Washington State, Nevada, um, San Diego State. So he's got a decision to make. But he's a he's a as Coach Joyner talked about him, like he talked about him as being a really, really talented guy, a corner, I think would fit really well with San Diego State. But Isaiah, as he told, I think 24-7 sports, you know, he wants to know who the head coach is. And it's a little contrast from um, Anthony saying, you know, I didn't, I picked San Diego State for the school, not for the coaches. And that's super fair. And I think Isaiah saying, I want to see who the new coaching staff is, is super fair as well. Uh, everyone has different, different positions, different perspectives, different uh, needs in that regard. And it's, it's fair on both sides. But I think that that's a, that's a big get for San Diego State if they can get him, if the new coaching staff can get him. Because uh, he was a guy we talked about when we talked with Anthony in January before Anthony had even committed. Like, hey, you know, these two are friends. They play together. They might want to play together at the next level. Can San Diego State make that happen? Um, and, you know, they got one. The other went to Arizona. But now, you know, they might have an opening to to grab him. And I think it would be it would be a nice get, not just as a talent player, but a guy from San Diego, one of the highest I want to say he's a top five San Diego player in the class of 2024. Obviously, I think Julian Sand was one. Uh, there was a couple other guys that went to power fives. And I think Isaiah was in the top five somewhere. And Anthony was like not too far behind him. No, I, I, I couldn't agree with more. And, you know, to hear Coach Joyner, anybody who was on uh, Team Buxton and hoping that somehow he could wind up in San Diego, um, to hear him go through his litany of, high end you know high end guys um nfl kind of guys and say my bet would be on buxton that the way that he is on and off the field my my bet is it going to be on buxton and you know it's interesting it's the same kind of thing I mean, he sounds like he sounds like in a lot of ways he sounds like that blue collar kind of guy that is has succeeded at san diego state um i did again i we asked him about it uh it didn't didn't seem to bite, but man, I, I think, you know, you can see, read the tea leaves a little bit with Nevada jumping in there. And Nevada was, was, was one of the final um, schools that Anthony was a part of. So he had also 
really liked, you know, that school as well. Um, and you would wonder, you know, would any potential pressure be on, especially if, uh, you know, the next staff is not, um, you know, you never know what on earth can happen. But I think it also just goes to show um, not only how important it is to get the right person, but how quickly it needs to be able to be done so they can start having these same conversations because both of these guys want to enroll early. And um, it's like, you know, that that's here, right? Signing day obviously is a month away and, and, um, and then enrolling early is a month after that or whatever. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's something that they need to get done quickly. Um, but turning to coaches uh, and, and things like that, there's been some reports of, of different people that have been um, named. Uh, and it's really interesting because I spent uh, a weekend just trying to, I don't know, whatever. I was, I was on a drive home from, from Las Vegas. I was interacting with people probably more than I should or wanted to. Um, but just talking about the fact that, you know, I went to San Jose, I saw like their facility, um, you know, and certainly not trying to knock any of the work that anyone else is doing to make the facility what it is. But, um, uh, it just it was it was it was just a strange thing like every every other place that you go to um you could like tell a football game was going on in the surrounding area you know um hawaii would probably be the only other one that was kind of a little bit like is there a football game going on today <laughs> kind of a thing you know but that vibe was definitely there with san jose um but I think that, you know, the fact that he, Brett Brennan, I suggested that he'd be somebody who should be in the conversation. That's all I said is that, and it's interesting, the the people's res- response to that, there's a lot of people who feel like San Diego State is like too good for him and somehow that they need to aim higher. And then there's reports that one of the people that they're interviewing is the offensive coordinator of UNLV. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah. Uh, that would suggest that Brett Brennan is higher, is too high for San Diego State, not the other way around. And and that reality is that's closer to the truth. Um, yeah, I was going to say you could flip it and say 100%. San Diego State's not good enough for him. Completely. In, in way. Yep, a hundred percent. And and you know, and especially now, I mean, part of what's been great about Brett Brennan is the fact that the facilities were the where they were at, and he got a seventy-five million dollar investment. To where now you could make a very good argument that San Diego State has worse facilities than San Jose State um, in every other aspect but the stadium. The argument was made that that like many recruits, when they look at the, the stadium, doesn't hold the biggest thing for them because they're going to play there at most seven times a year. Um, but what does hold weight to them is their practice facility is their meeting facility is their cafeteria. If you know, all, all of this, all, all of those kinds of things, strength and conditioning, you know, um, and that because of the investment that San Jose state just put in, it could actually be more attractive to a coach than San Diego state is, or, or, you know, or at least, especially if you're there, um, or at least very comparable and so uh, that's just a, it's just an interesting argument. And I think like at the end of it, um, you know, I was using it as a as a way to just talk about like the great job that he did. But I think at the end of the day, um, number one, if they could get him, it would be amazing. But I think at the end of the day, it is probably too high for San Diego State to to be able to go and get a guy that successful at a different place, much much and much closer than than any idea that San Diego State, you know 
is so attractive that they that he they're too good for Brett Brennan. Well, they would be, be based right. on the amount of money that he makes. I think they would have to make him an offer that's maybe more than they want to spend on a head coach. Um, they did say that uh, Wicker said they obviously want to get to the top or near the top, mm-hmm. which would be around where what Brennan's making at San Jose State. But they would obviously have to entice him to leave his current gig um, with with more money and more opportunities, more resources, things like that. And then you got to pay offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator position. So who knows? Um, the other name you mentioned, uh, Brennan Marion, the offensive coordinator at UNLV. Um, Bruce Feldman, I believe, um, reported that San he has interviewed with San Diego State for their position. He's a it's his first year as the offensive coordinator at UNLV. I believe he was an offensive coordinator at Howard previously. And he actually helped Howard beat UNLV in a big upset recently when he was there, uh, which might have helped him get the UNLV job in, in, in a crazy way. But he's a guy, he's a younger guy, doesn't have had doesn't have a ton of experience, but he's obviously put in a a, a great resume builder at UNLV this year. What is your thoughts on interviewing him and his potential candidacy for this for this job? I would argue that he would be too low for San Diego State to be able to 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 go. Um, flip side of that is, if their rising sophomore quarterback comes with him, you know, I think that that's pretty good. I mean, I he's, I, a, he's a freshman, isn't he? Or he'll rising, be a sophomore. This rising year. sophomore. Got it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I I mean, you know, if you, if if he can bring a, a guy who has really been the catalyst for turning their team around and, um, you know, runs the offense really well. Um, so it wouldn't just be that you would show up and have to teach somebody the offense. You'd have somebody who clearly does it. It's a, it's a numbers game. And we just talked about with Anthony McMillan. Um, we just talked about, you know, the, the idea of spreading it out and winning the numbers game and all that kind of stuff. That's what UNLV's offense is. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their quarterback runs that very well. Uh, it's run first, so you know it could fit some of the personnel and things like that 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 are here. Um, so you know, again, if that package is there and somehow you're able, you know, tampering happens all the time. Um, it's the you know, it's just the reality of it. And somehow in that conversation, you know, how close are you to this kid? What's the op- the chances of this guy coming over? Um, you know, or knowing that everybody wants to know that question he goes to interview for the job and he just sort of says you know there there's guys who are really familiar with running the quarterback who would find it very attractive to come to san diego for instance there's guys who are from hawaii and getting a little bit or his family in hawaii being a little closer to the islands might be attractive you know and then that's that's the cutie obviously he's 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 from nevada i went to high school there but um so I, I don't know. I, I that would be the only way that I would say that it would be like a home run good hire is if um he brought a QB with him because as we discussed um in the, the previous episode coming out at the same time, um I think San Jose next year is, is a QB away from um competing for a conference championship. And uh if if that's the guy, um, you know, I, I would say that's the only way. Uh, but he's not the only one. The Union Tribune reported that uh, 
Tony White, which I think uh, you were the first person to point out that clearly it was it was SDSU that was speaking to Tony White um, after the in the press press conference came out from Syracuse. Um, I beg your pardon, from Nebraska. Um, their head coach was asked about what what they need to tell people, and he said, "Oh, th- this was before Syracuse. Syracuse was the group that you linked in the article, but Syracuse hadn't come out and fired." Um, they had. It was like a day before, right? It was, yeah, but the press conference with Matt Rule was the day after. That's, what I mean. that's, that's a quick. That's a quick turnaround. Is the yeah. point? Um, yeah. Anyhow, so I, I, the the line from from Matt Rule's uh, interview that I just thought was really interesting, and it really connects to um, the idea that Brent Brennan is um, somehow not San Diego State is somehow too good for Brent and Brent Brennan. Um, Matt Rule said, "Don't go to a place where the expectations out outweighs the commitment. Outweighs the commitment, and I I would argue that that could absolutely one hundred percent be describing San Diego State um, from the fan base level. Um, I you know, there's been all the stupid comments about toxicity and all that stuff, and not trying to re-say it, but the fact is, um, you know, butts in the seat matter." And obviously, if, if they do prices and they reduce it as much that it seems like J.D. Wicker and them are talking about um, from the outside looking in, I think that that is absolutely the case. Um, you know, Brady Hoke went seven and six last year and like that was a bad season and everybody hated it and no good. You can't have a seven and six season. We, we, I mean, there's there's your and he I mean, rule said you're expected to win 10 games. I mean, that's what that means when you say seven and six is just a horrible year. It means that double digits is the only way. Um, So I, again, I mean, trying to piece everything together, um, it sure sounded like the head coach of Nebraska suggested that Tony White pass on coming to San Diego State. You know, I took a different spin on it. It sounded like to me he was telling him to pass on Syracuse. Because that they were in a tougher conference. Just, they probably yeah. didn't spend as much on their coaches as other teams in their conference. And how they have expectations, which is they fired a coach after, you know, not an awful season. I don't know what Syracuse's record was. But uh, I think they started off pretty good this season. They're fighting for, I think they're, they're one, one game away from a bowl. Yeah, so I, I took it as Matt Rule was saying, don't take a power five job over a group of five job just because it's a power five job. And then maybe they get a little bit more money. Go to where you're going to have the best chance to win. And I don't think Matt Rule knows what's going on with the fan base at San Diego State and the expectations and whatever we want to rehash that's happened this year. I don't think Matt Rule knows enough about it to make that comment based on that. I think he's strictly looking at it as don't just take the power five job because it pays you $500,000 more a year over the group of five job because you got to out. He, I don't, that's the way I took it. I don't think Matt rule. um, I think Matt rule was saying, it was almost in a way saying, take the San Diego state job over the Syracuse job. If they're both offered to you. Um, it's interesting. Okay, now, now, number one, you have me convinced. I agree with everything you just said. The, 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 then I want to ask you a follow up, only because I think your tweet had led me to believe that that Syracuse couldn't have offered yet. 
that if yeah. he, that if he was offered that if Syracuse couldn't have called him yet, because, right? Right, which would mean that he couldn't be talking about Syracuse. No, but that, I, that's, I think that's Matt, Matt Rule. Matt Rule said a search firm has called me to for Tony White's number, and the fact that Syracuse had just fired their coach twenty less than twenty four hours before that press conference made me believe that it was San Diego State who had called him last week about. Right, so he's not ta- completely. So he's not talking in his comments. He can't be talking about Syracuse then. But he's aware Syracuse fired their coach and. Tony White just came from Syracuse and there's a lot of chatter about Syracuse going after Tony yeah, White. Yeah, so his no, comment about the which about job it. to take, his comment about which job to take is is knowing the landscape of what teams are out there looking for a coach and where Tony White could fit based on where he's been in the past, Syracuse, San Diego State. Um but, but but my tweet was more along the lines of there's no way he's been contacted already by a search firm. To talk to Syracuse, right? It would it would have to have before they let him. Which know is what I, which my tweet meant was like, hey, San Diego State has already contacted, um, uh, Nebraska about talking to Tony White, insinuating yeah, that he's yeah. he's getting yeah. interviewed. I know. I'm I'm totally interested in all of those kinds of things, and I'm I'm kind of with you. Um, although Matt Rule has spent a lot of time in uh in the group of five. Um, so he might be a little bit aware of, of, of those kinds of things, but, um, everything you said makes a lot of sense. Cause then the, the line that he did say that would suggest that it's not San Diego state is because he said, and then they spend in the middle of their conference. Um, yeah. so unless he's referring to Brady Hope's coaching salary, um, which as of right now, that would still be, but you're right. It's a lot of nuance to be able to describe, but the whole conversation was nuanced. You know, um, I thought, it, I thought it was a great, great press conference. Um, but Tony White, that's the guy that you said that would be the the great hire. Um, and, you know, the, the the piece of it that I would wonder uh, is maybe, maybe the offensive coordinator from UNLV was also a conversation about having him as the OC here. It's possible. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, they know that they interviewed him and then all those kinds of things. And you're going to be able to, cause that's what I'm going to go and say. If I'm Tony White, I'm going to say, look, here's, I need, I need a million dollars. Like you need to give me a million dollars so I can go find the best offensive coordinator. You, you hold, yes, yes, you give 500,000, you know, more for different guys. I need a million dollars. Like I make a million dollars as the defensive coordinator at Nebraska and the assistant head coach. I'm going to make some guy, my assistant, my associate head coach. And I'm going to pay him a a million dollars. You know, you talk about how you're better than a group of five job or better than half of the power five jobs or a lot of the power five jobs. Like I need a million dollars to go and get the best offensive coordinator that I want. And then you go to that guy at, at, at UNLV and you say, look, come run this offense here and, and do the same kind of thing. And here, we're going to give you a power five salary. Um, And I, and I really think that like, in terms of the PR move, uh, a defensive guy is not going to be thought of very highly, no matter who it is. Um, they could get Bill Belichick and people be like, we need an offensive guy. Uh, he's old. Tom Brady would be a better pick. Um, and uh, that's just what it's going to be if they get a defensive guy. But at the flip side of it is, is if you go and you put in great resources for the offensive guy, you nullify that completely because you know if they're paying them a million dollars, you know that they're 
they got their pick of of guys to be able to come in and to do that job. Um, so PR wise, it's going to be, but I actually think that the the coaching pool in terms of money is going to be negotiated by the head coach that they get, and then that the head coach will set his own salary. And if the then if the guy says, "Hey, I want three, then he'll get three. You know what I mean? And and then be able to then distribute it however he he chooses to, yeah. uh, which I think is his right. Um, but two really interesting names. I I think that you had said last time that they're going to come out of the woodwork guys that you would have never expected. Um, and so the, the second name that was mentioned fills, fulfills that. Um, but uh, uh, Marion had been listed, had been out there as a Friday. potential. Beg your pardon. Yeah. I missed that one. Okay. Oh, then I'm wrong. Not, um, I think that athletic article Bruce Feldman linked from last week mentioned Marion. Mm. Um, okay. Along with, some, um, you know, the Ryan Grubb and, yeah, yeah, uh, I'd, heard, I'd seen, I'd remember those. Ryan Lindgren and uh, stuff like that. So, okay. I mean, well, maybe they, about over. they um, obviously San Diego State needs to do their due diligence and talk to as many people mm-hmm. as they can. Even people that aren't interested, you still got to put the call out there and, and see if they would like to talk. Um, so, and I have no doubt that they've done you know, interviews or due diligence on more than just Tony White and Brent, Brennan Marion. Uh, it's just, those are the only two that have been out there. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, they're a week into this or yeah, more than a week into this. Um, so you would think that they've talked to a lot of people. Um, they've maybe, you know, X'd people out based on conversations. They maybe elevated people higher up. The list based on conversations, uh, money plays a factor in it. Obviously, if someone comes in there and says, I need, you know, five million dollars, you know, you can you can cross them off the list, obviously. But, yeah, it's just there's, there's probably a lot more going on than we've heard and that we've seen or read. Um, but I think after this weekend, when Brady Hoke's tenure is officially over, I think we'll start to hear more and maybe we'll get some more definitive news. Maybe not an actual announcement next week, but uh, maybe more news out there about who's you know a front runner, who's you know talking you know, specifics, um, contracting things of that sort. I agree. I think all all of those things are true. You know, one of the interesting things about next week is a lot of teams don't play next week. Right, because it's championship week, so only the teams that are playing in the conference championship will have games to get ready for. Um, so that opens up the possibilities that if there was a coach that's currently on a team and they either did refuse to interview while they're preparing for a game or their their uh, their school didn't allow them to interview while they're in a game week, then that'll open up possibilities to interview some more people next week. I don't know if that's happened. But I have heard about that happening in the past where coaches would say, I'm not interviewing until I'm done with the regular season or I don't have a game to prepare for that week. So that I don't know if that's happened, but that's a possibility, too. Yeah, no, makes makes complete sense. Um, and I think that. As they are going through this process, as we talked about, you know, with with some of these recruits, early signing days coming up. Um, the transfer portal is opening uh, shortly and being able to, you know, 
get somebody in there, let them have conversations. And, you know, I mean, the home run for San Diego State is they get a new coach and this potential for this really veteran, really um, mature, uh, experienced team in 2024 stays intact. And then they sprinkle in a few other guys that are on there um, via the transfer portal or, you know, the, 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 the recruits coming in. Um, and, you know, the 2024 team gets looking in a very positive direction. Um, before we close this out, I want to go back to what we were talking about with uh, Buxton. Yeah. Um, top six per 20, per 24 seven sports. Yeah. Here are the top six ranked San Diego football players in the class of 2024. Julian Sand going to Alabama, obviously. Number two is Will Cianfrini, wide receiver who committed to San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know who Ryan, Lindley, who Anthony said is the other guy that he's talked to. Right, right. And I know Ryan Lindley played a big part of that, right? Of if Ryan Lindley is not there, is Cianfrini sticking there? We'll, we'll see. Third is Isaiah Buxton. Yeah. Fourth is Demarion White the defensive end edge guy for Granite Hills who uh, is uncommitted right now. And I don't know if San Diego state is actively, uh, I know they offered him a while ago. I don't know know where that's out of it. Yeah. And then fifth is Anthony McMillan, San Diego state. So there is a possibility San Diego state, if they get Buxton, they've got three of the top five San Diego kids coming to San Diego state, which would, I think would be pretty, pretty darn good. Number six is Josh Galland's offensive lineman for East Lake. He's going to UCLA. He's my Those student. are the top six. I know that's your school. He's my student. Your student, it's... yes. Yeah, actually... Those are the top six San Diego uh, ranked players in the class of 2024. Good kid. Um, and they're in the top 60. Um, they're in the top 70 of California, all six of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, like, like you said, that's the. It's it's pretty amazing that they all, half of those are, you know, from the same East Lake area. It's kind of a trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. All right, guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed our conversation with Anthony, Coach Joiner, our discussion about some of the coaching uh, um, interviews that have been reported to take place. Uh, obviously, we will keep an eye on what's going on with the coaching update as uh, as the season ends and you know transfer portal is beginning early signing period this december San Diego state will not have a game in december but they will definitely have a lot of news uh <laughs> to talk yeah. about and to share and to uh write about so it'll definitely keep paul and i busy uh through the holidays for sure yes sir happy holidays uh happy thanksgiving andre hope you have a great time brother yeah you too uh thanks guys for listening we'll talk to you guys next time you are listening to the sdsu podcast presented by the east village times with your hosts andre hagberdian and paul garrison